Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you may want to break the talk into two talks, actually. The Preparing for Adolescence talk, where you get into all the bodily changes and all of what's coming. But then when they're a little bit older, having a specific conversation and a specific experience with your young person about the issue of purity and the commitments that they will make to living a life of purity, particularly as it relates to their uh, sexual lives as they enter those dating years or actually a little before they enter those dating years. I think you want to capture it when they're still younger. So maybe when the child is, let's say, 13 or 14, perhaps 12, but somewhere in there where they're starting to think about and interested in uh, dating the opposite sex, uh, whether you're ready to let them date or not, uh, it's really important to talk to them about purity and why you have the philosophy you do about their dating experiences. Um, So there's another resource I'm going to introduce you to now, uh, produced by Dennis Rainey of Family Life Ministries. They have a series, it's actually a packet called uh, Passport to Purity, and it's designed for something very similar, a trip and and an experience together between parent and child, father and son, mother and daughter, or single parent with either sex, to talk about these issues. And again, like with Dr. Dobson's resource, They produce something that you can listen to together and let them say the hard thing and let them introduce some of these topics and then you unpack it together. So again, as a way of giving you a sense of what that conversation may may sound like uh, or to give you a taste of this resource in case you want to use it with your child, uh, I'd like to move into a segment that's produced again by Dennis Rainey and the Family Life team talking about the issue of purity with your young person. Now, what I'm going to do for the rest of this session is hopefully cause you to really think, I mean really think through and talk about what your boundaries, what your standards are going to be about your virginity and physical affection prior to marriage. Even before you get into the official dating stage, according to the standards of our society, you're supposed to have kissed. And so I think people are easily persuaded by the world's view of purity. And it's not necessarily reality, but that's that's their only example. And then hormones, of course. I think that some girls assume that, like, the the further they go with a guy, the more committed he'll be to the relationship. In my first couple relationships, I felt like I was doing good if we weren't having sex. Well, you can never take it back. But I did do things beyond kissing in one of my relationships, and it really affects you emotionally. It shows that the bar is getting pushed closer and closer to the final limit. It's easier to mess up than you think when you start getting your heart involved. In a way, it kind of forces you to draw a line. You either have to establish from the beginning that I'm okay with kissing someone because that's what's expected, or... I'm absolutely not okay with kissing someone, and I have a a specific point at which that's going to be okay. In my personal opinion, I think it's more romantic to wait if there's only one guy I hold hands with or one guy I kiss, and that's my husband. If you're just looking at that line, it's, oh, we haven't had sex, you know, we haven't kissed, we haven't held hands, we haven't whatever, you know, we're not doing this. It's the difference between... Wanting to be better versus wanting to be not bad. There's only so much trouble you can get in when you're, um, you know, in, in public places or you have friends around. 
it should always be what is honoring God. And so it's important to to definitely think beforehand and talk to the person you're dating about. I think it really helps um, at the beginning of any relationship. You need to let them know what to expect and what not to expect. I myself have made a decision that I don't plan on kissing anyone until I get engaged to her. You're protecting your heart and you're protecting the heart of your future husband. Almost without fail, when I tell people that, they're shocked that I wouldn't kiss someone that I was just dating. And that was really encouraging to me because it was something that I didn't have to worry about because I knew that he was going to lead me and that he was going to lead me in the right direction. Like if I'm going to date somebody, I want God to be in the relationship too. I can hear you asking at this point, what in the world is sexual purity? What are you talking about here? Well, I'm not going to answer it fully right now, but it means going nowhere near the edge of that cliff. It means to save the gift, that special gift of your virginity that God's given you until you can give it to another person within the commitment and the covenant relationship of marriage. And let me promise you something. When you do that, When you hold on to your standards, first of all, you're not going to experience the shame, the guilt, the emotional scars that come with wrong choices. You're going to have a clear conscience. In fact, there's not going to be any chance of somebody getting pregnant. And also, there are some very serious diseases that you can get if you're involved in sex outside of marriage. And some of those diseases can even kill you. If you don't have sex before marriage, you're not going to get those diseases. It's really important that you as a young man honor a young lady by not touching her body in places where you ought not to be touching her. And you know what? The same is true for girls. Young women shouldn't touch a young man's body in an inappropriate place. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, yuck, I never want to do that anyway. But remember, we've been talking about change. And change is coming. And someday you will be tempted to give in to some very strong desires that you will feel. Sometimes touching the opposite sex begins somewhat harmlessly, at least it seems. In junior high and high school, you're going to have friends who are going to start playing these little games with each other. They're attracted to one another as boys and girls, and so they find ways to touch each other that seem innocent, like tickling one another or wrestling with one another in a playful way. Sometimes they'll give each other back rubs or hugs, or they'll sit on one another's laps. The problem with this is that some of this touching can be exciting. It can feel good, and that physical touch can arouse your sex drive. Now, you may think it sounds maybe kind of old-fashioned that I can't play tickle games, but we want to remind you, your goal is to protect your virginity and remain sexually pure. You want to stay as far away from the edge of the cliff as you can, and so avoiding these little playful games between boys and girls is a good way to do that. Now, at this point, I I can almost read your mind. You're thinking that uh, my wife Barbara and I are a couple of fuddy-duddies and that we were born in some other era and are so old-fashioned. Well, you know what? If you thought what we've shared before, uh, you're going to think we're off our rocker. I want to encourage you to keep your lips off of the opposite sex. Now, here's what you need to know about kissing. There are two kinds of kisses— 
two very, very different kisses. There's a kiss that says, hey, I kind of like you. I'm fond of you. You're kind of a special person to me. And then there's another kind of kiss. Look at your parent right now. They're likely nodding. That kiss is a passionate kiss. Now, trust me on this. That first kind of kiss, you know, the harmless one, it can turn into a passionate kiss in a nanosecond. A passionate kiss says, I'm more than like you. In fact, I'm looking for something from you. Now, what I'm saying here is the same thing I said to a young man who asked my daughter to go out to the prom. I met with him a few days before they went to the prom, and I looked him straight in the eyes, and you're not going to believe this, but I asked him, I said, I'd like, I'd like to ask you to help honor my daughter, and my request for you is to protect her innocence, protect her purity. And I looked him straight in the eye, and I said, now, you've probably noticed that my daughter is very beautiful. She's, she's very pretty and attractive. And what I'd like to ask you to do, and I paused, is not kiss her. I'd like to ask you to keep your lips off my daughter. <laughs> I wish you could have been there. He turned kind of red, and I wasn't sure if he was going to pass out or not. He was kind of embarrassed, and wasn't easy for me to say either, by the way, but it was kind of tough to have that conversation. But I have to tell you, after we were done at the end of the time, We had a great conversation. We walked out together. We were shaking each other's hands. And I told him how proud I was that he'd come to talk to me as a young man talking to a dad before he took my daughter to the prom. And here's the cool thing. I think they had a wonderful time at the prom. And no, I don't think he kissed her either. Okay, I know what you're thinking and probably asking. As a young man, you're probably saying... Are you saying, I should never kiss a girl? Or, as a young lady, I shouldn't kiss a guy? Well, before I answer that, I want you to listen to this couple's story. I remember when I was in seventh grade, and I had a girlfriend, and there was a lot of pressure from our friends to uh, for us to kiss and for us to kind of, I guess, consummate a seventh grade relationship. And to the extent that her friends would even began to coordinate these kind of like these moments to say, okay, now you can kiss. And they would go run behind, you know, they, they would kind of put us together and then they'd go run behind the building or something. And uh, that relationship ended pretty shortly thereafter. And when I made that decision to, I guess, to not kiss anybody until I knew it was going to be my wife, I didn't see the, the point really of dating in junior high. So I had a lot of friends that were girls and we hung out, you know, at lunch and the football games and basketball games and that sort of thing. But she was my kind of my last official girlfriend until Stephanie and I got together, until we started dating. I met Stephanie at church um, at a church plant. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee after college, and she was visiting one of her friends. And the first day that I met her, she was coming out of the church office and I was coming into the church office. Being the new guy to town, I just went up to her and introduced myself and said hello and um, actually made fun of her because of the way that she was animated and talking to me. I didn't know what to do with her animation, so I just kind of 
did it back at her, even <laughs> though that wasn't me. He approached me with confidence and dignity and was just looked me in the eye, said hello, introduced himself, and was just funny. I guess him imitating me made me endurance. <laughs> I don't know. There was something endearing about, um, about it was that. memorable. Made it memorable. Yeah. I uh, got in the car. I was going out of town, and I talked about him for the next 45 minutes to my girlfriend and told her, okay, this sounds too hokey. I can't say he's the guy I'm going to marry, but I want to marry a guy like him. And uh, because if I say he's the guy I'm going to marry, that's just like too movie-ish. He's the one. I just know it. Oh, be still my beating heart. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, a guy like him. Our first date was on New Year's Eve uh, of that year. So four months later after we had met was our first date. He just kind of told me, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, and I don't play games. And so if I'm pursuing a girl, I'm taking everything we do very seriously. And I'm not just doing it for a period of time or to have fun or, you know, I'm, very in- I'm being very intentional about what I'm doing. I got butterflies. I was like, "Gay me!" <laughs> um, yeah, I, I felt like, okay, so this is what a man is is like. So after I kind of got over the initial shock of him being so upfront with how you know how he felt, because basically he was taking me out, so he was saying, "I have feelings for you." Um, and I'm not going to play with your emotions, and um, I'm not going to play with my emotions. And there was just a confidence of, wow, this feels, this just feels so nice. It feels very, um, I just felt very respected. The decision to not kiss anybody until my wedding day came from, I think, my experiences as a boy growing up with all my friends doing things maybe that I didn't think I wanted to do. Grew up with some conversations in my family about what was respectful to uh, the opposite sex, what wasn't. Uh, My experiences with my first girlfriend in seventh grade. So my decision to not kiss anybody until my wedding day came from a conglomeration of experiences and realizing that I wanted my first kiss to be meaningful. In past relationships, within probably two or three dates, we were kissing. And holding hands and, you know, hanging out on the couch, snuggling um, pretty quick. And there was just this level I always felt that it wasn't right. But there was also the other feeling that it felt good. And so um, I always wrestled with the two. Can you say more about what was wrong about it? Was the kissing wrong? Was the kissing wrong? Um, What I wanted to, what it made me want to do past kissing, I felt was wrong. You start one place and you just want to go more and more because it just feels, it's like a drug. And I wanted more of the drug each time. It was definitely different with Samuel. I just felt completely respected. I felt like I could be with him and not have to be on guard. So it let a lot of my guard down and we were really able to go deep, quick with who we were and our relationship on a totally different level than I'd ever gone with any guy before because the guys weren't interested in me before. They were interested in 
making out. My first kiss was uh, the highlight of the wedding. For me, it was because, you know, it was this whole, it was this moment that the tension had just been building up for, what, 15 years? And so uh, when I got the go-ahead from the pastor, I, I went for it, and I gave her the biggest kiss I think she maybe has ever had. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was quite, quite impressive. And because before we got on stage, I was like, okay, we're just going to do a little kiss on stage, right? Like, because we're going to do this for the first time in front of 300 people. He was like, yeah, uh uh-huh, little. (laughs) And then we got up there and it was like, whoa. Samuel, you may now kiss your bride. He's a fast learner. We continued to kiss all the way down the aisle. I think we stopped at least three times while we walked down the aisle to kiss. Isn't that a cool story? You know, over the years, I've met and talked to dozens of young couples who have made a a similar commitment, and when they got married, they had no regrets. But I'm especially proud of that particular couple. Can you guess why? Well, their names are Samuel and Stephanie Rainey. That's right, Samuel is our son, and I was there to witness his very first kiss. I've also talked to a lot of couples who didn't make that commitment, and I can tell you they're not proud of all the people they kissed and of all the passion they expressed that they wish they'd they'd held on to until they were married. Here's the point for you. If you don't decide where you're going to draw the line and how far you're going to go near the edge of the cliff— or how far away from the edge of the cliff you're going to be, then you'll be giving away your innocence and purity to another person, one step at a time. That person, more than likely, is not going to be your husband or your wife. Well, what we've challenged our children to do with their purity is we've encouraged them to save all of it for their spouse. That's why we challenged them to consider saving their first kiss to be their wedding kiss. That meant that they needed to draw a line close to the mountain as far away from the edge of the cliff as possible. Now, I can hear you saying again, Mr. Rainey, that sounds absolutely absurd. None of my friends do that. Well, you know what? Not a lot of the friends of our children do it either. We didn't force our children to make this decision. It was fully their choice, and we let them make that decision. But we did ask them to decide where they are going to draw the line to protect their moral purity and preserve their innocence and virginity for marriage. You see, you are about to experience your teenage years in what has become a sexually charged culture. 
You aren't going to get much encouragement or help from anybody else to protect your innocence or your virginity. That's why I'd ask you to consider, why don't you wait and save your first kiss? Now, I can hear you saying again, are you saying that holding hands and kissing are wrong? Here's the deal. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that why start something that you're going to have to stop? I'm also saying this. I think that passionate kissing and hugging and touching in private places isn't right. God's Word clearly commands us to abstain from every form of sexual immorality. If you want to make sure that you're going to stay sexually pure, then draw that line as far from the edge of the cliff as you possibly can. Well, as we said at the beginning, these can be awkward conversations, but boy, are they important for the parent to have with the child to both prepare them for what's ahead, to help them make commitments, but also as part of their faith path, their faith formation path. You see, who we are as men and who we are as women, created in God's image for a purpose as it relates to marriage and family, are a vital piece of giving them a vision of what it means to live a Christian walk as they mature. And so this isn't just something to talk about the biology. This isn't just something to talk about how to stay out of trouble. This is something to give them a stronger, deeper sense of their identity as one made in the image of God for a purpose, both male and female. So we encourage you to take that step with your child. Have those talks with your child. We hope this tool is helpful as you do so. We, we hope you also will take advantage of some of the other tools that are available to you for those purposes. I want to specifically uh, mention the two resources I excerpted on this podcast. Uh, the first came from Preparing for Adolescence, the Family CD Pack by Dr. James Dobson. The copyright is from the year 2000 by Gospel Light Publications. All rights reserved, used by permission, etc. And I do want to give them thanks for allowing me to excerpt that Great resource. I encourage you to take advantage of it if you're planning that kind of a conversation with your child. Also, I want to thank Dennis and Barbara Rainey for uh, permission to excerpt portions of Passport to Purity, a kit that they've produced there. Uh, In fact, I encourage you to visit FamilyLife.com where you can learn more about planning a Passport to Purity experience with your child in coming days. You can do it. It may be awkward, but it's going to be worth it. Get it on the calendar. Schedule something. Have fun. Make it light, but also make it clear, and uh, you'll be so glad that you did. And in years to come, so will your child, even though they may turn a little green in the process. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.